Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minutes. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Brett Stillo of Five Minutes of Trouble and Five Minutes of Banzai, along with my co-host, Mr. Josh Horowitz. How you doing, Josh? Doing great, Brett. How are you doing today? Ah, I need another Gibson. Another one? Yeah, well, I mean, look at this, these Barbie doll glasses. They're so tiny. I know. I I need, I'm up to my 27th Gibson. They're so tiny. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, here we are. We're, we're back on the 20th Century Limited. We're just zipping along. And you heard Cy Coleman in the background serenading us in the dining car. And oh, like, that's Cy. Oh, that's Cy. Sighing with Cy. So anyway, and, and uh, we've got our two wonderful, wonderful guests from yesterday back. That being right. Audra Wolfman and Desmond Miller of the Speak Easily Hour Minute podcast thing show doohickey. How are you doing, folks? Hey, we're okay. Um, so we get to leave now after this, right? Because you guys have kept us hostage for for almost 48 <laughs> hours. Yeah, we tried to jump from a <laughs> moving <this> train. train. <laughs> yeah. Not as well, easy to jump from a Force... train than a plane, right? Right, exactly. Horse feeding us trout. Yeah, perverts. You know, would you say though that that trout is trouty? <laughs> it's just trout Gibsons. It's all they give us. Trout Gibsons. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, uh, then let's get into it. Then uh, the troutier the better. This minute begins with Roger Thornhill, played by one Cary Grant, exchanging banter with the mysterious, attractive blonde at the table, uh, and ends with said blonde woman refusing to discuss love. On an empty stomach. That's right. Minute 49. We've reached it. Another iconic moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just rich with cool and sophisticated dialogue by cool and sophisticated characters. It really is cool and sophisticated. I mean, you listen to this stuff and it's racy. I mean, this is 1959. And yeah. you're getting... You know, just sort of cavalier discussions about love and and things that even today, you know, some people might raise an eyebrow, I suppose. Can I just uh, say one thing about Cary Grant's character in this? He is super woke uh, for for a guy (laughs) in that time frame. (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. He was like, uh, well, I don't want to, like, whenever I see a woman who I like, I don't want them to have to, you know, you know, I have to pretend that I don't want to have sex with them. Uh, and he's like, why do you have to pretend? And he's like, what, wait, huh? Excuse me, lady? <laughs> mm, yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I was like, oh, she, Oh, you mean, she... so he's he's saying I have to act like I'm not a Oops. kid. And... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Pretty she's much. like, "Why? Yeah. Why do you have to act like you're, you know?" Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. So I was just like, "Well, damn," you know. But it, but just to be that kind of self aware was just very much like, "Oh, oops." And then and then she's just like, "Let's do this. What's up?" You know. Okay. What's up? She was well, very much like, "Yeah." She was giving me like she was giving like she was giving me like I'm down. What's up? Yeah, you know? that that's really interesting because <laughs> in the last minute in forty eight. He says, oh, you're that kind of woman. You're an honest woman, right? And I think what he means by honest is aggressive. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, agreed. At agreed. least that, that was what I took away no, from I that. No, I took from that. I took from that as well. And yeah. it's like, like, like we would have to play these games, you know, together. You right. Because she was like, because she was like, let's do this. And, yeah. and then, and like, we, like and she, and then, but then she tried to get coy 
and say, well, I don't, dis- I don't discuss that on an empty stomach. And he's like, well, you've already eaten. And she's yeah. like, well, 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 you haven't. And I'm right. thinking, is she talking about food or something else? Mm. You know, <laughs> what's she talk about there? So it was a lot of double entendre that happened in that scene that I was not prepared for. You know, someone who has not seen the movie, I was like, uh, I didn't know uh, Hitchcock could be that racy. And I mean, remember, this is 1959. This is the Eisenhower era. Right. You know, this is still housewives, you know, at home and everything. The man is, is out and, and doing his, you know, his business and stuff. Yeah. I'm just saying, if she's not careful, she's going to be on that next train to Reno, okay? So I'm just saying. <laughs> so Reno? <laughs> Okay, it's, Reno. It's, it's an old thing from uh from the women and the, ah. uh, from the women. So it's a it's a it's a scene. I could I could explain it to you, but but then it kind of makes it weird. That's well, that's so another. What great do you movie think that the audiences back in 1959 thought about this? They probably think... were appalled by her. Appalled, uh, but also titillated. I yeah. think there, there's a male fantasy, but there's also a female fantasy here too. Because what? female doesn't want to go out and get what she wants. Yeah, right? she was super strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was the era of of Playboy, right? I mean, you know, we've got that, that yeah. our great theme music here. Right. Uh I mean, but this is stuff that people, you know, they they had magazines and they did all this stuff, you know, talked about it even in private, and here we have a very public movie that's that's openly discussing this. Very groundbreaking for its but, time. But even then he was very but I think he was very taken aback by it at first too, you know. Mm. And it was funny cuz I because uh I watched I watched it again. I watched it a couple times actually. And it was hilarious when they when the clip ends is when he he's sitting there and then the waiter brings his food. And so he looks he's looking at her and then he turns his attention to the waiter to get his food. But then he looks back at her like, "Did you, are, did you just say what I thought you said?" Or, <laughs> yeah. and, and and that's where it freezes, and it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. I think it took him uh, by surprise how she was acting. Like like because I, I just don't think I just don't think men at that time were were used to that. You know, just just to kind of like piggyback on what Audrey was saying. You know, I just don't think you know women are not to be that aggressive and and to yeah. get what they want. You know, and and for her to be that, like, I think he was kind of like, oh, what? You know? And not and not just aggressive either, but Brett, you mentioned uh, that she's in control. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one interesting way to look at this, you know, and we've all been talking about how this movie inspired and influenced the James Bond films in their tone and their pacing. Uh, well, what's interesting here is Eva Murray Saint's character is James Bond. And... Hmm. Uh, Cary Grant, in a sense, is the Bond girl. You know, she, yeah, she's in control. She has the whole thing planned out. I mean, there's that great line about, uh, no, I, I tipped the waiter. Yeah, yeah. is it fate? Is yeah. it fate or quits? Nope, I tipped a waiter. And I was like, damn, like, yeah. who does that? And she has uh-huh. a very cool look on her face, like, I'll the- tip the waiter again. <laughs> I've tipped the waiter before. If you look at her performance in that scene, that whole back and forth, she does not I mean she blinks but her whole demeanor is so like it's so um cool 
cool and static and just kind of like yeah well he's going through all these different emotions about like you know uh, what's going on who are you are, are you really for real what's happening kind of situation she's completely cool but then and this was very funny um if you notice um the shot is just between the two of them and it goes back from him he speaks she speaks he speaks she speaks he speaks she speaks and then when it gets to the scene there's there, there's a line he says to her and then when she's being coy, uh, the lens gets covered in Vaseline and it <laughs> softens her up and the music changes to kind of give her a little bit of softness, right? And then it goes back to him and he kind of smiles or something. And then it goes back to the way it was. It was very interesting in that scene because she's so dominant in that scene. But just that one one scene when it when it flashes back to her and she kind of gives this kind of coy smile, and it's all it's all vaselined out. The music, hmm. the, the violins are kind of are kind of accentuated, and she kind of just kind of glances at him with this kind of like eh, kind of look. It was really like oh okay, you know I don't know this 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 scene really got to me because I was just like you know damn they're like she's really going for it. Like you don't really see women like that. <laughs> What line is that? That uh... um, I got. I wish I. I wish I knew. Talk amongst yourself, real quick. <laughs> well, I wonder if that's the the famous line about never discussing love on an empty stomach. Oh, probably I think that is. probably is. I yeah. think that probably is. Because yeah. um, I was like, oh my god, oh that was so cool. I mean, there there are issues with that line also. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at her lips as she says it. That's definitely a dubbed line. Yeah. And if you look at the script. The script said something, and you can understand why it was dubbed, because she originally said, I never make love on an empty stomach. They went and too that far. that takes it up a notch. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, you know, we've been talking about how, you know, audiences perceive this, and, you know, was it racy? And uh, at least for the censors in Hollywood, that was it. Yeah. Oh, making love on an empty stomach. No, no. We have people's nutrition to think about here, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, she, even Marie Saint did a pretty good job of uh, of ADR there, but yeah, that's dubbed. Thank goodness. So I think uh, what the line now is: uh, "I never discuss love on an empty stomach." Well, okay, you know, because you know we don't want to do anything on an empty stomach. We we might be rash, you know, blood sugar and all. So world saved. <laughs> Uh, but but now you guys are experts on inflation. So the five dollars to get him to sit down, you guys remember how much that might be? That's, yeah, it's about forty dollars. Forty bucks. So that's that's a pretty good tip. To, you know, make you know, a guy who's uh, going to come in here wearing sunglasses and he he looks a lot like Cary Grant. Make sure he comes to my table. Hmm. So yeah. <laughs> so you know she is. Uh, you know it's interesting. We still don't know her name. She's still a mystery woman here at this point. Uh, yes, that will right. be revealed in the next minute. But uh, again, she is in control of the situation. Uh, let's go back to minute 46 or 45. Uh, you know, she saved him from the cops. Now and in his a, parking tickets. Yeah, his par- yeah, the seven parking tickets, which I guess <laughs> she doesn't really believe that story. Uh, and now she's actually also giving him a refuge at the table. You know, because remember, he's, he's, he still doesn't have a ticket. So the scene, I found it. So the scene, uh, real quick, to go back to, to the last thing we talked about and, and the $5, was when you're, when you're watching the scene, it's the whole table. And the perspective when the camera's on her, it's the whole table and he's in the foreground or in the, in the, in the, in the, 
in the foreground and then you see her but when she says to him i tipped him i tipped them in order to get you to sit next to me he he has this look of like i can't believe you did that and then the next scene it is a close up shot of her and then she's kind of coy and she says and, and that's when she says you know you know something about i, I don't you know like I, I wanted to keep you here or something to that effect. And then he says, well, you did something. And then she says, well, I've never discussed it on an empty stomach. So it was right when she, right when she said that she was willing to, to, to take charge, you know, and, and kind of help him again. It's when all, everything changed around her. It's like they softened her. Mm-hmm. It was really weird because, because I think the, the, the camera was, they, they made it so that it, he was standoffish from her or, or, or they were kind of like at, 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 um, at odds, at odds. But then when she said, I paid the guy to bring you in to make sure. And he was like, Oh wow. You know, and he had this look about him and, and that was the first time where it was close up on him again. And then that's when it kind of changed and they, and they glossed her over with the, with the, with the, um, with the Vaseline and everything. Soft focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They, they, they saw focused on her and it was just like this kind of like, okay, you know, and no, 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 no. He says, is that a proposition? You know? Right. Yeah. Is that a proposition? And it's like, I never, I never make a proposition on empty stomach. Well, you've already eaten. And he's like, but you haven't. Yeah. That, that was, those are the lines. And I was thinking, Oh Lord, you know, (laughs) because when he, because when she said, you know, I, 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 I paid him to, seat you here and then he says is that a proposition and then when it goes back to her she says you know um i don't you know discuss that you know on an empty stomach and he's like well you've eaten well you haven't no it's quite quite a scene with with quite a an actor actress Mm -hmm. in this one and and she's still around too eva marie stained you know she's uh she's in her 90s and still doing i don't think she acts anymore though but she played it so cool in that scene is what i is just the thing that I thought was really kind of cool and and hearkening back to the tickets and everything which kind of made me think like I don't know there was there's certain aspects of a of a movie that that when you hearken back to an earlier time frame that really keeps a movie um it really keeps it a, a a moviegoer engaged you know that that's one thing that I don't like about certain movies where where they're so focused on getting you to the end that you don't reflect upon the journey that you've gone through, you know? And I like movies that, that are uh, a little bit uh, enough self-aware to, to talk about or discuss where they've come from, you know, and, 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 and why they're here now, you know, that's why I kind of like spy movies because they're always doing that. You know, someone will pop up and you're like, Oh, who's that? You know, or mysteries. Cause it's like, well, who's that? Or who's there? Oh, you know, so <laughs> But I liked it. I, I I really thought this scene, especially for me personally, I liked I liked this scene or this minute uh, more than the last minute, only because there's a lot of um, even even in the space of one minute, you can see a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of 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 plot that gets um, that gets talked about and moved in this one scene. That's this one minute that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, guys. 48, uh, Grant has those amazing sunglasses on for most of the scene. And it's either at the end of 48 or the beginning of 49, he takes end the sunglasses off. Yeah, he takes the yeah. sunglasses off. Yeah. He's cleaning them and puts them away. Yeah, so I think that shows, uh, yeah, 
the tone has changed. He's uh, he's a lot more vulnerable. He's no yep. longer in disguise. Uh, and then, yeah, she gets uh, a little more assertive and uh, a little more, if you will, yeah, controlling there. Um, it's it's very interesting that, yeah, Cary Grant is, uh, uh, you know, a little helpless here. And it's kind of perfect for Cary Grant because he can do, you know, his classic double takes and he can be a little fidgety. And, I don't think he actually <laughs> says that in this scene, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I, I can see it, though. Audra, what did you think of 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 her, of her of of her? And you spoke you spoke a little bit about it, you know. But but what do you think about about that and 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 her being, you know, so strong um, in the scene, and in him being the sort of role reversal kind of situation, but kind of not though at the same time, because in the back of his mind. Uh, Cary Grant was still like in, in, when he was talking he was just like you know I don't have to put on airs so I can kind of be a pig I guess you know <laughs> and she's just like you know hey let's do this you know so she kind of she kind of she kind of allowed him to do that <laughs> yeah I don't think he crosses over into into pig zone or anything but no um, no 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 definitely not but it's just like actually yeah. I did want to bring up the glasses too because I think it's interesting because he uh yeah, obviously he's incognito, but he's also, it's also a symbolism of his blindness. Like he doesn't know ah. what's happening to him. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, also about turning the, the male gaze around. You know, he kind of can't gaze upon her. She's gazing at him. Uh, so he's, it's, it's sort of a double blind for him. Hmm. Uh, so there's the, symbolism of the of the sunglasses then he takes them off and then yeah they're they're kind of gazing at each other i do i do think that he's kind of met his match in a lot of ways uh at at that scene um i think it gets way more complicated like it's a super complicated movie with a complicated relationship in it because as much as we like to see this relationship where she's in power uh, later on in the movie, we find out that she's been set up to this. <laughs> you know, she just rises to the occasion really well <laughs> <laughs> because she's so attracted to him, and uh, she can fill this this role uh, really well. So, do you think it was all uh, bravado on her part because she was forced to this, or yes, yes, and no? Um, you mm. know, you'll. Now I, want, now I want to see the movie. No, yeah, I'm like, am I spoiling <laughs> you this? You owe it to yourself to do so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's kind of a, a double agent, you know? But um, Yeah, I mean, what is it? Best of movie lists can't be wrong, so. <laughs> there you go. There right, you go. right. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, yeah, there are revelations coming later on, but she is so charismatic and strong and focused in this scene that no matter what you find out, about this character later. I think there is something, you know, sincere. I think she's definitely attracted to him no matter what, uh, no matter what she's been assigned to or ordered, you know, she's like, you know, oh, that's Roger Thornhill. Well, okay. You know, I think she's, you could say she's going above and beyond the call of duty. Indeed. Yeah, Mm. for sure. (laughs) So would you consider this, and I'm just putting this out there just to, just to see what we have, if anyone can think of, would you consider this, uh, a bit noir 
or or pseudo noir good good question or yeah i i'd say i don't want to say neo-noir but no because i mean yeah i mean there's a certain type of female in those movies this is less of a uh, damsel in distress though because she sort of really takes that that control role here but certainly influenced by those past films i would think Hmm. she saves him over three times that i can count yeah um and then she needs some saving towards the end. Uh, but uh, it doesn't ever feel like she's a femme fatale, necessarily. Okay. It's just because she's so, she's so, like, her performance in the movie, in that scene, is so precise. She is so, like, her expression hardly changes until, until it softens and she shows that she likes him. You know? that Or, or kind of gives an inkling that she likes him. But just the way she talked, you know, and the way he talked, it kind of was kind of hearkening up just a little bit to, to noir, you know, just a little bit. That's a really interesting point. And, yeah, if you look at, you know, where movies had been, uh, you know, adventure movies, drama movies, uh, you know, again, we're, we're alluding that this movie uh, – is a prototype for Bond films, for foreign intrigue films. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You you could make an argument. This is, you know, you're going to see a lot more films in the 1960s that have this kind of tone and pace and style. So I feel like this is a maybe a transition from uh, a film noir piece. Uh, you know, they're all right up, you know, kind of off the top of my head, I think of a noir film set on a train called Narrow Margin that, uh, has the the unique aspect of being set on a train, but it has all the noir elements. Uh, this kind of takes a lot of noir elements and twists them and turns them around. Like, uh, yeah, she's a femme fatale. Oh, she's not a femme fatale. She's she's not who she seems. No one is who they seem in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and there's going to be a lot more of that coming up. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know. Just that was the only thing that kind of stuck in my mind, and how they were talking. And there's just a certain, there's a certain delivery that is very uh, reminiscent of the times. Yeah. It's a crime film. Film noirs are crime films, mm-hmm. right? But they also have other layers to them, um, such as how the sexes relate to each other, um, and mm-hmm. there is some elements in this film that are like those elements but i think i think what brett's saying makes a lot of sense that there are it's transitional like it's got some of those elements in it but maybe it's on its way more to become like an action film yeah you know so yeah Yeah. it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that so what what time did this what year did this come out 1959. See, there you go. Like, even even then, it's like you're transitioning into the 60s. You're mm-hmm. transitioning into a whole new type of um, filmmaking. Uh, it's in color. Uh, not that other movies in the time were not in color, but it's like, you know, maybe maybe it, it was expanding upon um, uh, these kind of ideas. Well, it sounds like you guys need to discuss this film on your Speak Easily Hour Minute podcast. Ha! This this movie is much too much too classic for us. This is no. too good for us. Have you ever heard our podcast? Well, I I haven't actually. Why don't Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about that podcast? 
Well, we actually have two podcasts that, yeah. that, that we do, which is amazing. You want to talk about the sure. Hour Minute and I'll talk about the 80s? Um, sure. They're actually kind of the same thing. Speakeasy Hour Minute podcast is actually not a by-minute podcast, even though the name is Hour Minute Podcast. Um, we just called it that to hone in on your market. Pretty much. <laughs> That's a joke. Um <laughs> <laughs> But within the umbrella of the Speakeasy Hour Minute podcast is also the Speakeasy versus the 80s. Yes. Which in which is we talk about movies from the 80s movies. that have kind of made us who we are today, which are yes, the, horrible perverts. Yeah, yeah. yeah the neurotic, <laughs> crazy Gen X uh, perverts. And, yeah. And, and yeah, so who, 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 who are just that, who, who are just that tad nihilistic to enjoy the void you know yeah. so yeah because we, we we grew up with uh skinamax as our babysitters yeah. basically yes I, yeah i gotta say i've listened to speak easily versus the 80s i'm a fan and uh you're a you, fam uh, i'm a fam i'm famished because i never discuss 80s movies on an empty stomach there you go so uh-huh. uh, we got trout yeah, for you yeah, if you could tell uh, the folks at home some of the movies you've discussed and analyzed on Speak Easily versus the 80s. Uh, well, we, we did one of your favorite movies, uh, which was uh, Hot Dog, uh, <laughs> the movie. Hot Dog, the movie. Uh, that's a movie I kind we, of lived, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our, our, our first movie we did was a movie that, that I loved as a kid, um, which has aged horribly horribly <laughs> which was moving violations uh-huh. um oh my lord uh and uh we did cherry 2000 um <laughs> wow yeah yeah we've wow. done a lot of really bad 80s yeah. movies and then we we kind of we kind of skirted the line of cool movie good movies when we did uh streets of fire love that but, one um, streets of fire yeah but uh, but yeah, we uh, we're we're definitely uh, loving the '80s, and we usually still spend about an hour watch the movie, talk about the movie, if it's good or bad. We know it's bad, but you know, you <laughs> but oh, so about. good, good and but oh, bad. so good, same difference. Yeah, you know? it's like it's like it's like having your tonsils out, but getting to eat ice cream afterwards. Oh my god. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, we're we're thrilled that you guys were able to come and discuss these minutes with us on on this podcast. We yeah. want you to be on our on our eighties podcast. Totally. You, know, you you, yeah. you do so much, you know, with the podcast. So we would love to have you on. Yeah, that'd be fun. We are world famous experts on two eighties movies: Big Trouble in <laughs> China and the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. But uh, too good for us. Yeah, you, you need know. to. You had to come up with something else. Uh, yeah, I am sure mm-hmm. we can venture into the gutter. You get yeah. pick Chud or something. You guys, <laughs> no, you guys should discuss the the movie I was in when I was a child actor. Well, yes! Oh, which one? The Wrong Guys. Oh, I remember the 1988. Wait, there you wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. Is that the is that the one with? Okay, who who starred in that? It was Richard Lewis, Louis Anderson, and uh, John Goodman as the bad guy. Okay, sorry, wrong it. guy. Because I keep thinking about what was the one 
No, thank you, Mr. Akavano. No, thank you, Mr. Akavano. It was a movie. Not that one. I think there was another movie called The Wrong Guys that came out later. but That might have been it. I don't know. There's a movie that had that, and I think it was like Joe Piscopo or someone. I don't know. Don't tell Josh the wrong guys he was in, or he wasn't in. He knows knows which wrong guys he was. (laughs) You're thinking of the wrong wrong guys. Okay, we're going to have to do that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, We need you to relive your moment of, uh, of stardom. Well, thankfully, it's in the first 10 minutes, so. <laughs> I swear to God, we're going to be like, oh, my God, we know that guy. Nice. When I Seriously, next time, next time I'm in your town, I'm going to bring you a copy of it, and I want you to sign it. <laughs> you got it. Well, we got to do it. the wrong guys. Amazon. Wrong guys. I got it. It's a deal. It's a deal. Well, uh, we want to thank you for riding on the 20th Century Limited with us uh, today. Do you want one more Gibson? Before we sign off here, or yeah, you guys man. Good? Actually, bring ten. Yeah, because they're they're pretty small. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you, we can get you put, thirty can Gibsons. You put some like trout bones in it. Yeah, this is with the trout. Yeah, Gibsons A with trout. A deep-boned Gibson. Yeah, exactly. So. But we want to thank you all for listening, uh, and tune in for our next episode. You can find us on the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or at the official. Hitchcock Minute website. That's HitchcockMinute.com. Social media is available at The Man on Washington's Nose. Not Frankenstein's Nose, as we alluded to in yesterday's episode. Getting down on Frankenstein's Nose. Yeah, we're going to get down. (laughs) Getting down on Washington's Nose, and they told Frankenstein to look. And he's like, oh, ha, ha, guys. (laughs) But That's The Man on Washington's Nose on a place called Facebook. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, And on Twitter, at Hitchcock Minute. Please join us tomorrow for Minute 50, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Hitchcock Minute. Hitchcock Minute! Hitchcock Minute. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are. <laughs>